Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. Would you go with me to where we began last Sunday in the lesson that is becoming a series of lessons on the coming of the Lord Jesus? That will be Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And we will look at verses 32 and following through verse 39 and then verse 42. There's such a stirring, a restlessness in the world today, literally and figuratively, but more literally than figuratively. Last Sunday I spent some time with you as I talked about the nation of Israel and the return of Jesus. Today I intend to complete that thought, the nation of Israel and the return of Jesus. Came in this morning, turned on the television in my office, and there on CNN was the breaking news that at 3.30 a.m. California time, an earthquake of the magnitude of 6.1 on the Richter scale. The strongest earthquake they've had in that area since 1989. For 30 seconds, rocked. When you get home, I prefer you not do it while I preach, but got these devices, you'll see the devastation. I don't mention that to exploit that at all. Some of your families, some others, it's a natural disaster. But I I might remind you that last week I spent time with you and in the same chapter of the same book, Matthew 24 and verse number 7. For nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines, pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Those who keep the numbers tell us Prior to the year 2000, annual records of earthquakes indicated that earthquakes occurred at the amount of 40 a year. Since 2000 2000 and 2010, in that 10-year decade, those who keep the records indicate to us that there are 400 earthquakes at least every year somewhere in the world, and they are stronger in magnitude, six point and more. I am not here to scare you. I'm here to get you ready. It's a terribly incurable pestilence known as Ebola that has devastated the life of many. And in our best scientists and medical knowledge, we're still wrestling with a cure. Thank God both patients were released this week. Because Jesus is the cure. I don't exploit that. I'm simply telling you that if you are looking for signs, don't look anymore. Look for the S-O-N, capital S. You and I are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. And I know that's contingent upon what the word generation means, and I'll explain that in a moment. Verse 32, Matthew 24. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Meaning the coming of the Lord is near. Jesus said in verse 34, Surely I say to you, this generation... But by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, Jesus said, my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, Until the day that Noah entered the ark, 
and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 42. It will not be on the screen, but it is in your text. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. My assignment this morning is to be a watchman on the wall. An oracle from God. And I'm passionate. Passionate about getting everybody ready. I'm going to mention a personal prayer request to you and I discussed it with my wife and we both agreed that since you've shared so much of our journey in my 29 years here, I'd ask you to share this part of our journey. It's with joy but some degree of apprehension that I have been received as a student at Regents University School of Divinity as a doctoral student. And my area of concentration will be, areas of concentrations will be leadership, equipping, and mentoring. At every level of this church growth, God has taken me to another level of personal growth. And so I don't say that because I need a few more letters in front of my name or behind my name. It will come at a cost financially, time-wise, and other kinds of ways that by the grace of God I'm prepared to do. Because if I can become a better me, for Him, I can help you become a better you. I can't lead you where I've not been, and I can't teach you what I've not learned. So it'll be a cohort program. I'll be every week online. And then there'll be times when I'll have to be on campus in Virginia Beach for residency study. It'll be a three-year journey. But I plan to fill this pulpit every Sunday I can. But there'll be some times unannounced that I won't be here. Because I'll either be there or on the beach, recovering from being there. I do, I do desire your prayer. I'm excited, but it's, a new, it's been 11 years since I've been in the classroom, and now we do this blogging. I've never done a blog before this week. I've got to do a wiki. I don't even know what a wiki is. I, I, my wife is very, very much technologically savvy, and I depend upon her. I have to, 23 books I have to do this this semester. What were you thinking? Yes. But this book is the one I love the most. Point your hands in my direction. Offer a prayer for me, would you? Father, I thank you for this, the ability to share my heart with the people of God. But I want to share your heart. I just want to be the vessel. I, I don't want the credit because it, it It strikes the ego in the wrong way. I just want to be the vessel, God. There are many more qualified and gifted communicators, but why you chose me is still a mystery to me, but I'm glad. And I think for everybody here who are born again, why you chose them, us, we are glad. Make us one in your word. Amen? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to rehearse with you and, and not tarry. Because in, in rehearsing, I, do, I can get to places where I get bogged down and not get to the complete word. I mentioned to you in the past, because it's in the Word of God, the Bible says that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, when He comes again in the rapture, which is where we are in God's timetable, okay? In God's timetable, when Jesus came to the earth, born of a Virgin Mary, and was a babe in a manger, He came in the flesh, lived among his peers and his contemporaries for 33 and a half years, and then was crucified, buried, rose again on the third day, and 40 days thereafter his resurrection, he ascended to heaven. And prior to his ascension, he said in John 14 and 1, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you'll be also. What is Jesus doing now? He's preparing a place for us. What is he doing now? Praying our prayers over to the Father. He is the great high priest and intercessor right now on August the 24th at this moment. 
So who's, who's running the world and who's in charge? Well, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, but who's in charge of the church is the Holy Ghost. Who's in charge of the Christian is the Holy Ghost, the Father and the Son. Can I, can I get a witness here? But Jesus said, so, so in God's economy of things, his first coming was when he was a babe born in the manger. His second coming will be after the year of the, uh, after seven years of tribulation. But in between that is a thing known as the rapture. The snatching away, the catching away of the saints. That's where we, we are living in anticipation of the rapture. And there are no more signs that have to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. There are signs that have to be fulfilled for his second coming to take place, i.e. the emergence of the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. And we're all headed there. Are you with me, everybody? But there's nothing, there's nothing else left for the rapture to take place. That's why I'm here with an urgency. And I'm here to tell you, that the greatest sign of all the signs that indicates the imminence of the soon return of Jesus Christ is the nation of Israel. The greatest, the, there will be earthquakes. There will be wars and rumors of wars. They are taking place now. There will be pestilence and famines and, and lawlessness will abound. Does it not already do so? Children will be disobedient, disrespectful to parents, and on and on. And in the last days, perilous times shall, shall come. Men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Is that right now? Romans says that the, that the male and female will change the natural use of the body from what is meant by way of one man with one woman, with a woman with a woman, and a man to man, and calling it what they call homosexuality or lesbianism. And the, the world will, will change the definition of marriage and family. All those are indicative of the coming of the Lord, and God's able to save anybody, whether it's adultery, fornication, lying, cheating, homosexuality, lust, pornography. So I, I'm just telling you, all those things are happening, telling us that you and I are living on borrowed time. But the nation of Israel is the key number one indicator. Keep your eyes on Israel. Our salvation. Our redemption. Our, oh my Lord, I'm just in the introduction is tied into what happens to the Jews. Reason number one, that Christians everywhere should support and stand with, and America should stand with Israel, is that Israel is the only nation created by a sovereign act of God. America wasn't created by a sovereign act of God. America was created because in Genesis 1 and 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. England wasn't created by a sovereign act of God. Trinidad wasn't created by a sovereign act of God. God allowed these nations to come together. But there's only one nation in Scripture that was created by a sovereign act of God, and that is the nation of Israel. And since God creates everything, He has a right to give ownership to His land to whomever He chooses to. God gave the title deed for the land of Israel to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants forever. And if you need to settle that with God, you just simply have to look up Genesis 15 and 18 and Genesis 17, 2 through 8. Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. But he was not included in the title deed of the land of Israel. It was not given to Ishmael. It was given to Isaac, who is the father of Abraham. And while I know Ishmael is the son of Abraham, he was not the son to receive the inheritance. Sarah and Abraham tried to help God out. That's why you have Ishmael. Does God love Ishmael? Did he bless Ishmael? And does God bless the Palestinians and the Arabs? Yes, he does. But he chose Israel. The boundaries of the state of Israel are recorded in Scripture. And you need to get last week's CD because I spent time and DVD establishing that. 
When God established the nations of the world, He began with Israel. And in God's mind, Israel is the center of the universe. And it will do America very well to know that. And to honor that. Let let, let me tell you, this is not about Democrats and Republicans and Tea Party. It's not uh, about uh, ethnicity of uh, of whether we are Latino, Hispanic, whether we are Indian like I am, or Caucasian, or African American. This is not uh, this is not about being Asian. This is about the fact that God Himself has chosen a people called Israel, while He's chosen everybody else. He's placed a special your love on them. And he says, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And since he's God, he can just do what he wants. Since the year 70 A.D. till the year 1948, centuries, 18 or more, Israel had been dispersed throughout the world. Jesus, when questioned by His disciples in our text about what the signs will be and what the indications will be about the coming of the Lord Jesus, because Jesus told them, I'll go away, but I'll come back. Jesus said to them in verse 2 of chapter 24 of Matthew, Do you not see all these things? By that he meant the building of the temple. They were sitting on the porch or standing in the proximity of the temple. Jesus said, do you see not, not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And, and the disciples are thinking, what is he talking about? This is an awesome temple. It took, it took decades to build this temple. And every stone was chiseled accurately. And, and, and it was not chiseled on the premise of where the temple was built. It was chiseled away from the temple because everything had to be done with such reverence and such, such proper uh, uh, adherence to God's instruction. It was to be the holy place and the holy of holies. And in the year 70 A.D., Jesus lived 33 years. 43, 53, 63. That would be 37 years after Jesus, am I right? After he made that prophecy, the Romans came and completely burned down the city of Jerusalem and took every stone upon another stone and laid the city flat and the Jews dispersed all over the world until 1948. And by another sovereign act of God, In one day, Israel became a nation. Acknowledged by the United Nations and other countries, including Russia. In May of 1948, the Bible says, have you ever heard of a nation being birthed in one day? It's one thing to birth a baby in one day, but to birth a nation and the original population of that nation birth in 1948, was 64,000 people. Give me the slide that we have in Zechariah. I think, I think that's where it is. And God says, I'll bless those who bless you. Zechariah 2 and 8. For thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me glory after glory to the nations which plunder you, plunder Israel. God's speaking about Israel here. For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Oh, I got to come down to you. When we started dating. Oh, this Georgia peach right here. Became the apple of my eye. I was willing to wait on her for 20 minutes at the dawn. Because I just couldn't. Woo, woo, woo. Yes. It's been 35 years and some other apples in the form of our children has come along. Jennifer and Kimberly became the apple of their daddy's eyes all the time. Valerie's still among the apples. <laughs> then 
the, the son-in-laws came along and they became the core in the apple. You know the one you want to throw away? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, I, I know. I'll get, yeah. Love, Edward. And what's the other boy's name? JC. I love, I love But they produced for us through the union of, of their spouse being our daughters two other apples. Lakeland, who got saved this week at age four and a half, got saved. The greatest news. He was preaching before he even got saved. And Fallon, who is nine months old, Fallon, Jennifer texted me last night. We were at a function, therefore I did not take my phone in with me. And she said, Dad, we wanted to FaceTime you because Fallon said, Fallon's nine months old. She said, Papa, Papa, Papa. There is a blank check waiting for Fallon. Oh, she got to say one more time, Miss Papa. I'm five feet seven, almost seven inches all with, with, tall with a little extra inch in my heel of my shoe. I'm not very large, but if you touch Fallon or you touch Lickland, this double anointing of the Spirit, a slap will come all over me. And I will grab you up and throw you 14 miles in the air and walk away. No, I won't. It's the apple of my eyes. How many grandparents in the house? How many parents? Yeah. You know what I'm talking And I'm telling you, that's how Israel, that's how God feels about Israel. Have they cursed him? Have they denied him? Have they backslidden? Have they disobeyed him? Time without end. But he says, you are mine. And I don't care where they scatter you. I don't care about you. But wherever wherever you go, if they touch you, they touch me. Put Joel up there for me. The book of Joel. This is how much God loves Israel. I will also gather all the nations, Joel 3 and 2, and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, which is the valley of Megiddo. I've been there. Some of you travel to Israel and you've been there. Only once have I been to Israel, but I'd like to go again. And when I do, I want to see the valley of Megiddo. The valley of Megiddo, Napoleon Bonaparte in his conquest of, of, of the known world said the valley of Megiddo which will later be known as Armageddon, the Battle of Armageddon. The word Armageddon we get from Megiddo. And Napoleon Bonaparte said it's the most perfect battlefield for the war of all wars. And every nation, look at this second part of the verse, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. I've got to give you some teaching here now, okay? I don't care if it was the Reagan administration or the Bush administrations or the Clinton administration or the Obama administration. I don't know who's coming after Obama. Whoever the president is, if they got good sense, they're going to be a friend of Israel because God blesses those who bless his own. If America doesn't stand with Israel, God's going to take care of Israel anyhow. But if you want to be blessed both as an American or just as a citizen of God's kingdom, you cannot be a Christian and hate Israel. And there in the valley of Megiddo, the armies of the world will gather. Russia is coming down from the north. I don't know whether you've been looking at the news. Russia's already taken Crimea. Russia's taken about a hundred and so many tractor trailer loads of trucks into Ukraine. Anybody hearing this preacher? Afghan's already a battleground, Afghanistan. And you already know what's going on in Iran. And you already know what's going on in Iraq. And you already know what's going on in Syria, which borders Israel. And so the land is being cleared because the Bible says the armies of the north are going to come down. And, oh, help me, Holy Ghost. And the world is going to converge. The battlefield, the, the war to end all war, the battle of Armageddon, where the blood of the soldiers are going to be so deep, it's going to be as high as a horse's bridle. That's, that's the war that will take place. 
after the rapture and after the seven years of tribulation, when we are in heaven while the world's in tribulation, if it took place today, we're going to heaven seven years with the Lord, then we're coming back when God had His belly full of the Antichrist, and we're going to come back with Jesus on His white horse and with the armies of heaven, and God is going to destroy the Antichrist. He's going to cast the devil in a pit for 1,000 years, and we're going to reign with Christ. The devil's going to be released for a short time, then we go into eternity, and we are sons and daughters. I don't know about you, but I'm looking to see the king. Woo! I, I feel a whoop glory. No, 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 no. No, no. I, I, I need to tell you number, number, number two very quickly, please. Uh, number two, this is all rehearsal. Christians are indebted to the Jewish people for their contribution to the Christian faith. Where, put on the screen. Where do you think we got these scriptures from anyhow? Jews. Holy men of God. Where, where do you think we get the, the stories of the, uh, not just the stories, where, where, where do you th- we think we get the realities of the ministry of the prophets and the patriarchs? From the Jews, they're all Jews. Mary, a Jewish virgin called of God to bear the Christ child. Jesus' adoptive father, Joseph, a Jew. The twelve disciples, Jews. The apostles, Jews. And I'm simply saying to you, by, by telling you this, that, oh my, my, my. Therefore, if all, if all of our salvation and our redemption is tied into a Jew who is Jesus Christ, it becomes common sense to reason that if you love Jesus, you're going to love his people. How are you on your I'm married into the Gann family. That would be my wife's maiden name. She's got a sister and a brother, mother and dad, and family. Really weird family. Uh, I mean, really nice family. <laughs> she knows about my family. If hers is weird, mine's off the charts. But when I married Valerie, I knew I was marrying more than Valerie. And it came to my credit they have extended more love to me. They naturally, since Valerie selected me, by asking me to marry her, they selected me also. (laughs) I just want to see if you're listening. Listen, this business of love and loving Israel and loving one another, whether they're, not only Israel, love one another. God's colorblind. I didn't, I didn't, you all know anything about God? I said God is colorblind. So here's what someone says. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. A song is not a song until you sing it. Love in your heart is not put there to stay. Love is not love until you give it away. Why don't you give God a praise? Look, look at point number three. Point number three of biblical Reasons why America and Bible-believing Christians must stand with Israel is because Jesus never denied his Jewishness. He never apologized for it. There was no need. He was God in the flesh, a Jew. He was born Jewish. He was circumcised on the eighth day in keeping with Jewish tradition. He had his bar mitzvah on his 13th birthday. He kept the law of Moses. He wore the prayer shawl. Moses commanded all Jewish men to wear. He died on the cross with an inscription over his head that says, King of the Jews. Did did, did you hear me? Did you hear me? Jesus considered the Jewish people his family. So one place in Scripture Jesus says, More than one place. I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. Can I I, I get a witness here? I was in prison. And he goes on. And he says, in that you do that, you did that. You did it unto me. And and the question will be asked when we get to heaven. Because you and I, as far as I know, I know for me, I've never personally met Jesus Christ. 
I mean, I've met him spiritually, but I've never, uh, and, and neither has anybody that I know of in this room, have met the physical Jesus Christ, shook hands with him. We've seen probably dreams and visions. And, but he'll say, come on in, Alan. Or whatever my new name is. And he'll, oh, he's, oh, I was sick and visited me. Uh, I, I was, uh, without clothes and you gave me clothes, I, I was in prison. Uh, wait, wait, Jesus, wait, wait, I, I never even met you. Man. He said, in that you did it to somebody else in my name. In that you did it to the Jews, to the Gentiles. In that, you, in, in that you witnessed. In that you gave five bucks to a guy on the side of the road when you know he might go spend it on cigarettes, but you just went ahead. And I'm, not, I'm saying to be discerning. In that you did it unto a stranger. In that you did it even though you had a special need and you couldn't afford to give your time, nor your talent, nor your money. But you did it anyhow. When you did it to them, you did it to me. Amen. Come on and give God some praise here. Fourth point, please. Would you, would you take me to the fourth point? Christians are to support Israel because it brings the blessings of God to them personally. America is blessed. America exists for two reasons. I told you last week. Two reasons. Two reasons America exists for. To evangelize the world and to protect Israel. That's it. Because you don't see us anywhere in the Bible in last day's prophecy about being part of the ten league nations. America being capital of the Antichrist. Is that possible? Probably, but that's not biblical that I know of. Okay? So, so I'm saying to you is, when we bless Israel, and I know they're innocent Palestinians, innocent Israelis. I, I'm not here about war and politics I'm here about the preservation of God's people connected to the blessings of God's people being the Gentiles, you and I. You see, the Jews rejected Jesus Christ as the Messiah. They still do not receive Jesus as the Messiah. That is, Messianic Jews do, but others don't. They see him as a prophet, a wonderful teacher, but they're still waiting on their Messiah, their Redeemer. And so because they did not receive him, God sent the message out through Saul, who later became Paul, through Peter and all the other apostles after the day of Pentecost. And Jesus said, whosoever will. I'm one of them whosoever will. Ooh, I, know, I know some of you are not connecting with me right now because your belly is growling for Golden Corral. But hold on, belly. I, as a little Indian boy in the island of Trinidad, was one of them whosoever will. I don't know where you were born, who your mama and daddy was. I, I don't know whether you came from whatever you came from. But you, if you are born again by the blood of Jesus, you are a Gentile if you're non-Jewish, you are one of those whosoever will. Come on and give God thanks. No, no, no. Don't, don't mess up now. Don't. Well, I chose God. I chose God. Yeah, you did have a part in that, but you did. He chose you. Before the foundation of the world, he said, come on, but he gave you the choice not to come on. You know how I feel about this. Anybody bragging about, well, I give up a career in country music so I could be a Christian. <laughs> Man, you didn't give up nothing. <laughs> just a thought, just a thought. I gave up making big books. So I was a mil millionaire, but I decided to own myself and become a hundred year and serve Jesus. Who ever said Jesus needed your money anyhow? He don't need your car. He don't need your money. He don't need your awards. He don't need your degrees. What is needed is I need Jesus. There's nothing that Jesus needs that Alan Matura or you can add to him with. But there's a whole lot I need that he can add to me. And I'm glad he chose me. Somebody ought to praise God. Woo! This is my second sermon, so forgive the decorum. I could care less whether I'm on the World Wide Web or being twitted by a tweet. I ain't here to pass the world. I'm here to get you ready. The Bible says, put it on the screen, point number four, that Jesus blessed Gentiles because he 
Gentiles bless the Jewish people. I think I got, I, I, I may have it on the screen. I, I don't know where my, oh yeah, yeah, it's going to be there somewhere. If not, make it up and make me look good. Uh, Cornelius in, in Capernaum in Luke 7 and 5. God chose to bless Cornelius, a man who is non-Jewish in a city called Capernaum. Because Cornelius being a, a, a centurion, a, a, a Roman uh, uh, leader of a uh, hundred or more troops, built a temple, a synagogue for the Jewish people. And one of, uh, uh, one of Cornelius' servants was near death's door. And he sent word to go find that Jesus and tell him, come and heal my loyal servant. And Jesus got near the house and Cornelius said, oh, but Jesus, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my house. I, 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 I have people I say go to and they go because I'm a man in control. I'm a man in command. I've got people I say come and they come. You don't even have to come here, Jesus. Just say the word. Oh, I need somebody to help this preacher. I don't know where you are in your marriage. I don't know where you are in your body. I don't know where you are in your finances. I don't know where you are in your mind. But he can say the word and by his word you are well. Brian, give me this mic. My God. I know I'm talking about the Jews, but I'm talking about you right now today. It's over. It's finished. It's done with. Just say the word. Jesus commended him for the faith. Give, give me, there, was another, there was another Cornelius in Caesarea. God sent revival to him because he blessed the Jewish people. I don't have time to read all that. You remember when Jacob went down to, away from his country, uh, left Abraham and his mother Sarah because Jacob was a thief and a scoundrel, stole his brother's birthright. Esau, remember? Esau put a bounty on his head. And Jacob went to work for Laban. Old Gentile crook. Crook because Jacob had eyes for Rachel. Is that right? Oh, man. And he said, how long would it be that I have to work for, for that gal? And Laban says, you work seven years, you can have Rachel. If Valerie's daddy had told me that, I'd have worked seven years. You're right. Give me some of that. Yeah. He worked seven years, and on the night of the wedding, he gives, Laban gives Leah, the older sister, Ugly. I don't know where she's ugly or not. I didn't see her picture. The man has to work seven more years. You know what goes around comes around. He stole from his brother. He lied. Deceived his father. Though he was part of the heritage and, 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 and the lineage of the Jewish nation, what goes around comes around. Laban tricks him. Changes his pay ten times. Every time brings it down. And then when Jacob gets ready after 21 years to go home. Laban begs him not to go. He says, because I know I'm blessed because of you. You you Jew. I'm a heathen, but I'm blessed. Please stay around. Come on, somebody help me. Ooh, I feel the preacher in the preaching. Listen, you remember Joseph... A Jew. His his Jewish brothers sold him out to some traveling itinerant group of nomadic wanderers. He's about age 17, away from his father, away from his brother. They told his father he was dead. They killed an animal and took his coat, Joseph's coat, and took it back to his father, assuming, making his father assume a wild beast killed his youngest boy, Joseph. That father died hundreds of times. I'm talking about emotionally. But 13 years later, down in a heathen land called Egypt, every time Joseph got into trouble, God blessed him. Every time the devil got him in trouble, a woman tried to seduce him. 
And he wouldn't give in and she cried, attempted rape and they threw him in jail. In jail, God gave him favor and he interpreted dreams and God elevated him to prime minister of Egypt. I'm talking about a Jew in a heathen land. And God gave him a dream and for seven years they grew a harvest and they filled up the barns and the storehouses. And then seven years of famine, he was able to feed Jews and Gentiles because God will bless you. I don't care if you're in the middle of your enemy. I don't care if you're a Jew or not. Even though a host of enemies encamp around you, a host of angels, God will take care of his own. Somebody clap your hand. I don't know where you are. I don't know what storm you're in. But you're looking at a bald-headed preacher who is evidence that God may scare you to death sometimes, but He'll never fail you. He's always on time. He's an on-time God. Not your time, but His time. I'm telling you, some of the most intellectual people in the world are Jewish people. Some of the most talented people in the world are Jewish people. Some of the richest people in the world are Jewish people. Some of the most sinful people in the world are Jewish people. Don't look like me. That means like you ain't got your own baggage and bundles. But the older I get, the more I got. Come, come to the music, if you will. The more I got this homesick feeling. Please understand. I couldn't wait to get on my first date. Don't come yet, Jesus, and go on my first date. Couldn't wait for my wedding day. Don't come yet, Jesus, getting married to Valerie. December 22nd, 1978, at the Conley Church of God in Conley, Georgia. Couldn't wait for after the marriage. And then couldn't wait. Don't come yet, Jesus, because Jennifer's on the way. August 16, 1981. First child. Come on, Jesus. I'm a preacher. Oh, but don't come just yet because February 4th will come, 1985, and Kimberly will come. Oh, and Kimberly said, Lakeland's going to come on January 22, 2010. I said, wait, Jesus. Didn't come. But then God had Fallon in mind. That would be November what? I just tested you. November 21st. I did not remember it. In the midst of all that, I got this homesick feeling. I don't mean for Trinidad. I love Trinidad. I love my heritage. But there's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith I can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare a dwelling place there. In the sweet sing it by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. Listen to me. Till the last breath I breathe, I'm going to love him. I'm going to serve him. Not because I have to, not because I, I'm obligated to be your pastor, but because he's pardoned the grandma. He's done went and done so much for me. He has done went and planned so much for me. I, I am not worthy to be a preacher. I am not worthy to be called. But somewhere in the mix of things, he chose the foolish things of this world. And I don't want to burn out in my flesh, and I don't want to get sick and die young. But what I will do as long as I can burn, I'll burn for Jesus. I won't tell you this. You ain't taking your car with you to heaven. You ain't taking your bank account with you to heaven. You're not taking your awards. You're not taking your bullions and your gold and your silver. You're not taking your house. You're not even taking your will. The only thing going to heaven is your soul. And that soul is going to meet up with an incorruptible, immortal, 
undefiled body for one day the trumpet of God's going to sound. I don't know when it's going to be. It could be today. And it won't be because you see Jesus in the sky that lets you know the rapture is taking place. It won't be that. It'll be because your feet left the ground and you're not on delta. Gravity has lost its hold and you'll be caught up. Stand up everybody and clap your hands. You'll be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. If you are ready to go, clap your hands and thank God. Come on, clap your hands like people who are ready. There's a whole lot more sermon that I will bring to you in this series. But right now, I'm telling you, he loves the Jews as the apple of his eyes. But he died for you the same way he died for the Jews. Your hope is not Hare Krishna. Your hope is not Sun Young Moon. And your hope is not Muhammad. Anybody hearing me? Your hope is not Scientology. Your hope, and please, I know this may not sound politically correct, but I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. Your hope is not Joseph Smith of the Mormon Church. Your hope is not the Jehovah's Witness and their interpretation of Scripture. Please understand, I don't think that we're the only denomination going to heaven. But the only people going to heaven are those who accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, and there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God did not give us a buffet or a smorgasbord of choices how to get to heaven. We can only get there through the blood of the Lamb of God who is Jesus. Give Jesus a standing ovation. Call me what you want. Say whatever you want, but it will just fly over my head. Bow your heads. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. With your head bowed, bowed, let me tell you this. That is the gift of tongues. Operating in the body of Christ. What just took place is not an interruption or an irreverence. It is the word of God and here is the interpretation. Hear me, my little ones, said the Spirit of God. The hour is late. The day is spent. Night comes soon. And I call you. To be like the wise, the five wise virgins in the text of Matthew. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning for my coming. Live close to me. Live with the knowledge of my word and the covering of my blood, says Jesus. For I am coming for a church. You are my people. You are my bride but I'm coming only for those who are without spot and without blemish and who choose me to be Lord of their lives. Behold, says the Lord, the day is spent. You are in the valley of decision this morning. Multitudes are in the valley of decision, says the Lord. Multitudes in the valley of decision. But your indecision, says the Spirit, is a decision. It's a decision to reject me. I love you with a love that is indescribable. No matter where you've been or what you've done, I love you, says the Lord. Decide now for the hour is late. So says the Lord. Can the church say amen? Heads bowed. That was the invitation. That was the invitation. If you need Christ, he invited you. Raise your hands and I'm going to pray for you. 
You need him as your Savior. Raise it up. I'm not going to ask you to leave your chair. Call your name. Raise it up. Raise it up. Hold it up for a moment. Hold it up for a moment. If you're not ashamed of him, he's not going to be ashamed. Hold it up. I'm, I'm ready, Pastor. I see, I see numbers of hands. Numbers. Thank you, Jesus. Keep them up. Keep them up for a moment because I want to know who I'm praying for this week. I, I, I want to know the, at least a number. Put, put your hands down. Thank you, rather. As your head about. And after you've prayed this prayer, if, if, if you will mean it, God will do the rest. Heads about and eyes are closed. Everybody, you know what? Look at me, church. Look at me. Look at me or the screen. It doesn't matter. The, the posture of hands lifted up is, is a posture of praise. It's also a posture of surrender. So let's, let's, let's take the posture of surrender. Could you lift up your hands like you're surrendering to Christ? Would you tilt your head like you're looking through the, 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 the dark uh, ceiling and like you're looking up into the white clouds and blue skies? Imagine you're seeing Jesus and he's, he's not small, okay? He's huge, he's big, he's large, he's magnanimous. And talk to him right now. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for doing for me what I did not deserve. What I could not do for myself. You took my sins and my sorrows and the penalty of my sins. And today, I confess, I cannot save myself. But you can save me. And so by faith... I receive you as my Savior. I confess you with my mouth. I believe you in my heart. That you, Jesus, will change my life. Today, make me a new creation. And write my name in the book of life. Amen. Now take those hands and give the Lord another hand clap. Come on, come on. Go, get love off also. <laughs> oh my Lord, my Lord! If you if you've done that, would you would you take a moment before you leave and fill out one of those cards, conversion cards or identification card, and drop it off at a welcome center? I want to pray over those cards this week. I won't call you unless the Lord tells me to call you. I, I, I won't. Somebody else may call you and pray with you, but but it's not about. It's, it's about you need a covering. You raised your hands, you prayed, so we want to be a covering. We want to be part of those that that brace you up. Sing, brother. I want to be near. Lift your hands. Near this is your closing. Your Tell the Lord this. Loving the world. The Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.